Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, Patrick Connor here, and welcome back to the Knuckles and Gloves podcast. I'm back with my boy, Eris Pina, CompuBox operator, and of course, fight historian like myself. And we're doing a fun show today. We're doing a slightly less serious show today, man. The world's got a whole lot of serious shit going on. We don't need any more serious shit. Yeah, it was man, it's idea. It's really man. dark. It's really depressing, y'all. Let's, let's have some fun today. Yeah, dude. So we're here to remember some just fun and hilarious, funny memories that just we remember during our boxing fandom. You know, put a number to it, don't put a number to it, whatever. We're here to just remember some fun, funny shit. Eris, how are you, bro? You know, I'm doing all right, bro. Everybody's struggling a little bit out there. We're all, you know, it's the winter time. It's yeah, still dude. a pandemic. There's a lot of shit going on, but... Hey, man, we got through January, all right? That's at least a start. <laughs> yeah, we and got through the, the first month of a new year that was like, you know, already... Never-ending. Yeah. yeah, it was like kind of nightmarish. 2021 mm -hmm. was nightmarish. So, yeah, it's nice to, you know, do some some light shit, some, some levity. Exactly. That and um, I would say uh, we have a really good, you know, a bunch of fights to look forward to this weekend and a really exciting... So, yeah, man, you know, everything is all right. I think I'm doing okay today. <laughs> well, the boxing world hasn't stopped. You know, the, the real Definitely world not. hasn't stopped. And there's, you know, before we get into what we're going to talk about, man, there was already enough shenanigans from last weekend from past subjects that we've had <laughs> and other stuff going on. So the boxing world definitely does not stop. Talking about Don King, obviously. Yeah, um, man, no joke. Six decades of corruption, bro. I mean, that should be a Guinness record, right? <laughs> Man, you know, I mean, that's like, hold on, we got Duran fought in you know, the 1960s, so, 70s, so 80s. Oh, yeah, 70s, 80s, 90s. Well, Don started in the 70s, so 70s, 80s, 90s, 1000s, 1010s. Yeah. It's, it's a wonder. It's a fucking wonder. Of corruption with Don King. He, yeah. God bless the man. <laughs> yeah, just like our. Sarcastically, our, obviously, but, you know. Our buddy Corey Erdman made a thread about it the other day and you know, the, the poster for the fights and everything. It, it's definitely a throwback yeah. to the days of geo cities. Yeah. Shit. I'll tell you that much, man. It was awesome. But, and there's a dude, um, I want to give the actually credit the six decades of corruption was, um, to a, a buddy of ours who listens, um, Twitter name is uh, Reggie, Reggie, yep. Dunlap, you know, yep. yeah, he's the one who originally said that. And that's absolutely true, man. That shit was hilarious, bro. Like Don at 90 years old is still <laughs> You, you can't help. I mean, I don't want to laugh about it like it's funny because I mean, it, you, you just, you know what I mean? You can't, it's, it's, that's done. Yeah, man. It's, well, I mean, and I guess it's, uh, it's not really that much different from what any of the other promoters are currently Absolutely doing not, no, no, in no, terms no, of no, like no, ethics no, or no. anything like that. But the it's obvious. It's just that Don's been so synonymous with this over, over the yeah. years. Like well, when and, you think of corruption, you think of craziness and BS. And, and he dropped off the map. 
Like he, you know, he's basically dropped off the map as a top promoter. Whereas for instance, I mean, I don't want to just like beat around the bush, but like Bob Arum is going to be the other older promoter who's been around for fucking ever, but he's still promoting. He's still doing shit and he's still, you know, with top rank and top rank is still extremely in the mix, obviously. Whereas Don King promotions, like, you know, on the fringe, not even on the fringe and shit. So that's that's a big reason why it's like a story and why it's like holy shit it's a comeback it's weird but you know don king might even figure into some of the shit that we're talking about today you know i mean some of the subjects we're going to bring up were definitely promoted by don king so yeah <laughs> yeah i was gonna say if, if it's in our <laughs> lifetime if it's something that's happened you know while we've been fans of the sport then i almost assuredly there's going to be some connection to don king one way or another <laughs> yeah yeah for sure so Speaking of, um, what would be something for you, for example, that you just off the bat that you just like, holy shit, or you just thought was like hysterical, whatever it may be, because Dude. there, I mean, boxing's been filled with it, but we've been fans. What if we've been fans since the nineties, that's and just that was 20. That's our, this is our fourth decade, even which is crazy enough. Well, and I mean, yeah, like for, for context, uh, I guess somebody might be like tuning in and being like, why, why does it even matter that like these, you know, who the fuck are these guys? I guess we're not really anybody per se. It's just, we've, we've been boxing fans for a long time and we obviously pay pretty close attention to stuff that goes on and stuff that's happened in the past, obviously. But um, yeah, I mean, we've just been around the sport for a long time and have done our fair share of paying attention. And so that being said, one of the funniest one of the funniest things that I can remember. And this was, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to have to pull this up because I didn't pull up any of the particulars about it. I just kind of thought about it and was like, holy shit, that's hilarious. But wow. Okay. I felt like it was like 2007, but apparently it was 2010. And that was the day that Kermit Centrone went flying out of the ring. Oh my Paul, God. Paul Williams, dude. <laughs> I mean, that was bad, man. I was working that at um at HBO that day for Punch Zone. I worked both of um the Cintron. I worked both of the controversial Cintron fights. One where um where Sergio Martinez uh, oh, knocked, legitimately knocked him out, and Cintron said it was a headbutt and got away. Yeah, with it. he yeah he somehow talked his way into not taking that count. Like what? What? I've never. Wow, I don't he think I've ever seen that before. It was a headbutt. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a fighter successfully argue and like have it be like, okay, hold on, reset. Like, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Yeah. And in this, on this occasion, I mean, like in context, dude, uh, Kermit Centrone's kind of seen as like a bit of a whiner, uh, somebody who is like, won't accept his losses. And, um, you know, in retrospect, a lot of people, I think, look at his losses to, Antonio Margarito and right or wrong, dude, I'm not making any judgment on it. I'm just saying that I think that a lot of people look at those and they're like, Oh, well, those are excusable. Now at the time that that was not the thought at the time, that was not the prevailing opinion. The prevailing opinion was that uh, Kermit Centrone was a puncher who just like was not tough. You know, you, you folds under pressure and shit, but putting him in with, Paul Williams, who, as we, you know, all knew was a warrior and shit like that, but was kind of like, you know, had to be retested and, and stuff, you know, he had lost to Carlos Quintana, uh, you know, there was a lot of questions about Paul Williams and going into this, going into this fight, 
I remember a lot of people were really anticipating it because one is at the at the venue that we now know as you know hallowed ground at uh, then the Home Depot Center, but now it's the what is it? It's the health know, health man. sports. I, I, just, I know what I know what it was, but like yeah, it it's health sports football. something or other. But, but yeah, what, it, it, what, it, what it's actually known for. Yeah. And now it's, it's just the, it's the place everybody knows where like, if you want a war, dude, you go there. And so a lot of people were excited about the fight because of that. And then they were excited because it was a matchup between, you know, two fairly top guys and it unfolded pretty good too. Like the first couple rounds, it looked like, dang, like Kermit Centron came to fight, dude. Kermit Centron came to do some shit. And then (laughs) he decided to punch an ambulance. I mean, dude, I don't know exactly how this happened. I just know that they got tangled up and Kermit Centrone went from like, he could have just, I guess, ran into the ropes or I guess tripped and kind of, yeah, it would have been awkward falling out of the ring, but he like somehow angled himself. So he's like, he dives and goes like pretty quick, man. I mean, I haven't watched in a long time, but if he did, it was a pretty precise right through the ropes and like, yeah, crash through him. Yeah. He definitely had some momentum. It's been a it's been a little bit since I seen it, but it was like he had some Those momentum. One of the original, like almost I wouldn't say gift because gifts weren't around back then, but like the photo when you were making a joke of something, how you were feeling after a certain whatever it may be, and then they showed Centron on the stretcher being taken out. Yeah, with the with the neck. <laughs> with the neck brace and yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, and I'm not he's even. Trying he's probably to... on his way to lose that fight, no? What's that? You think he was on his way to probably even losing that fight regardless? Williams at that point, I don't think was regressing. This was, he was still on, uh, had he even, was this before he fought Margarito or after? It, see, now I'm going to have to look at this just so I'm not like dumb and say something bad here. Uh, Kermit Centron. Yeah, so he had, yeah, so this was immediately before the Martinez rematch for Paul Williams. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so he had yeah, he had only lost to, he lost to Carlos Quintana, and that was like you know that was a significant loss. But obviously, you know, getting, Quintana getting the best fight of his life that night. Yeah, that was uh he basically put everything all together, and then Paul okay. Williams like destroyed him in the rematch. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's kind of obviously gets xed out. But needless to say, yeah, um, going into this fight, it was I don't know I felt like it was highly anticipated. But if you look at the the video again, it's like you can see that the the Kermit obviously does have kind of like momentum because he's tripping, like they're falling to the canvas. But he goes from kind of like, like I've been drunk, you've been drunk, like falling forward, ugh, like stumbling forward to just like Superman <laughs> straight through the ropes. And he goes and like, almost looks as if he hits his back on a table or a monitor or something like that. It looks like it hurts. I'm sure it didn't feel good, but then he goes and he hits the ground and goes from grabbing his arm to like, I can't remember what it was, but he went from his arm to something else to his neck. And so then they're like, Oh shit. You know, Oh, his back. That's what it was. He's lying on his side and starts going, ah, ah, ah like dude i'm sure it hurt like he probably scraped his back on the fucking monitor or something but it was just hilarious the sequence of events like that it like unfolded so quickly and then they immobilize him they put him on the thing and it's like oh shit like maybe he's really hurt and just as they're loading him into the ambulance he's like 
and starts <laughs> punching the side of the ambulance while immobilized like a mummy, dude. And he's like, I'm going to rewatch this, man. It's been a while. I'm telling you, bro, that. it's the comedic value in this is highly underrated. And now, especially now that we know that he was totally fine, nothing happened, nothing was broken. Came out and said all that, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, and I don't have anything against Kermit Centrone, but you nah, know, look, bro, he was he was an entertaining fighter for his time, and he had, he had legitimate <laughs> power, and he had some entertaining fights, whatever. But like that one, and like we mentioned, the aforementioned the Martinez fight. I mean interesting that they fought you know both against williams martinez but like his the antics that happened in both of those are just kind of comical in itself for what happened absolutely and as a as a side note too right around this time right around possibly a little before it but right around this time on the max boxing forums um kermit centrone had split with marshall kaufman and Marshall Kaufman had gone onto the Max Boxing forums and was just talking some of the vilest, craziest shit about Kermit Syndrome around this time. Like all the time. It was pretty hilarious. Max Boxing, Boxing Talk, those are those were the gossip sites in the early uh, <laughs> late two thousands, yeah, early two thousand twenty tens and stuff, bro. These youngsters don't know. No, I mean, yeah, if you wanted to pay a fee to get the, you know, the latest Floyd Mayweather little bit of what was going on on Boxing Talk or um, to catch that sparring footage on Max Boxing, you know, that was a good $5 spent if you had it back then, right? Yeah, dude, you could do the the whole year for 50 bucks or whatever. Whatever it was, but I just remember <laughs> those things, man. Boxing Talk would have, like, the little blogs up there. Oh, exclusive interview with Mayweather, exclusive interview with this one or that one. Yo, 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 what's driving. good? Yo, yo, yo. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> i remember hell yeah so this one predates me actually becoming a fan a little bit but i'll consider it because i saw it on the tuesday night fights compilation anyways when i was a kid and i thought it was the most hysterical thing i had ever seen and that was when a former olympian named anthony hembrick got absolutely annihilated in his hometown (laughs) 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 against um a fighter who was absolutely jacked to the gills there you go yeah <laughs> named booker <laughs> p ward an unassuming guy by the way but um yeah anthony hembrick a former 88 olympian um very very decorated amateur he didn't make a big splash in the 88 olympics he was which was surprising in the least but at that point though he was an undefeated pro he showed a lot of promise. He was a lanky boxer. You know, he had a lot of pedigree to himself and he was being featured on USA Tuesday night fights at this point in 1990. You know, this was one of those when network boxing was still very prominent, not as big as it was in the eighties, but Tuesday night fights was big. You sell at ESPN, you know, everything was boxing was like, was very, very healthy. And this was a showcase fight for him, especially because it was being held in his hometown and it's being held in front of his people at Fort Bragg, where, you know, he was um, in the, what was he, a Marine or was he in the Army? And so... Pretty sure he was a Marine, yeah. Yeah. I think. And so, with all that being said, like, you know, he was, this was supposed to be a showcase fight for him, you know, as he moved on to contendership, because he was a part of that fresh 88 team. It's only been a couple of years since the Olympics. He's shown a lot of promise since then. He's been featured as well as his other, you know, former Olympians, and Booker T. Ward was having none of it, but 
what makes this so absolutely hilarious, and if you listen to this, I'm sure you remember this too because it's that memorable, is the antics before the fight that really just brings it all down. My man broke it down. This is 1990, so he gave me the best pop lock, New Jack swing, hybrid rap. I, I don't even remember the music because you can't hear it, but they just had this whole routine down. looked like straight out of Beat Street or something you see out of Soul Train from that era. Straight up. It was very impressive. Don't get me wrong. I'm not even trying to laugh at the moves. Like, they had this all down. Him and his hype man, which definitely was his cut man. It was just his buddy that was holding a towel and probably squirted water for him. But they had this whole routine down, the type of routine you haven't seen since, I'll throw a random name out there from the 80s. Another guy who got blitzed, by the way, his name was Alvin Too Sweet Hayes. Do you know that name? Do you remember him? You've talked. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're the one who has brought him up to me. So, yeah. Back in on the undercard of Tommy Hearns, the, the segue really quick, on the undercard of Tommy Hearns, Roberto Duran, Alvin Two Sweet Hayes from Detroit, not affiliated with a Crunch gym, by the way, but still from Detroit, um, an undefeated, very, very popular guy and lanky and just very flashy. He was getting ready to fight Jimmy Paul. He had the most ridiculous dance routine before the fight. It was awesome, by the way, too, all right? He was wearing a pink, like, you know, he looked like a superhero or a villain, whatever you want to call it, but it was like a pink robe, the um bandit mask all this other shit going on the whole nine yards right and he starts dancing around him and his boy break it down and it smooths and moves even probably slicker than hembrick by the way like this was a really really good one and then jimmy paul completely annihilates him at round six just splatters him to the canvas (laughs) and unfortunately you can't find that footage on youtube and you can't find it anywhere else online i know a couple of people who do have footage of it but it's just it's just one of those fights that's kind of like, you know, unless you have the full broadcast of the Herms Duran card, which is kind of rare, you're not going to you're not going to see it. Anyways, back to what we were just talking about. It's the same thing now. You know, I mean, six years later, Hembrick kind of does the same thing, it has the full on dance routine. Instead of six rounds, though, he gets splattered into one round. <laughs> yeah, dude, he uh, even even better is that like it's almost kind of like it slowly devolves too. Because right as they're right as the bell rings, he like slips in his corner because there's water because they're sitting there, you know, squirting water on him, fucking around for forever pre-fight. And then he slips on the water right as the bell rings. Mm-hmm, and he's mm-hmm. like, oh, shit. Like he almost acts like he hurts his knee or something like that at first. Like he's kind of bouncing around like, damn, my leg. OK, then <laughs> Booker T words just like, yeah, dude, we're not we're not fucking abiding by this shit tonight. And just, no, not at all, man. Just totally fucking smacks his ass to oblivion. And Word at Word wasn't a, a guy who was like a slick boxer or anything. Like if you've seen the video, he's just a very stocky, bulky, like strong, you know, guy like that. Like kind of around the height of I would say uh, Julian Letterlow or like Dwight Cowie in terms of like stature, right? Maybe a little bit bigger than them, taller. Almost like a, like, almost kind of like a Grady Brewer or something like that. Yeah, just like a, was, just but he was really like built and like very physical, built, strong, very physical guy. And he came right out there and you just see it, man. Boom, bow, bow. And Hembrick didn't know what hit him. And Hembrick, you know, to hit, unfortunately, like not only when he would get knocked out, like it became like, if you know, if you watched his career, it became a trademark that like his face always contorted in different ways whenever he was getting whooped on. Like there was a photo of him when James Tony was beating him up in the around 95 or so. And you always just see it, he's like, like, he was just, you know, he, he had, like, different facial reactions that you can totally see that he was getting, like, worked. And 
that was basically what war did to him man it was a shell shock and i mean it's always it always makes it more memorable that not only after a whole routine like that you just get completely smoked in front of your hometown crowd in front of your 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 buddies your family everybody out there after that whole thing and not only that the usba title was on the line and as we've discussed earlier in other shows that was a legitimate belt as a you know to, to move on to a, a world title at that point so yeah, man, that's as big, about as big as L as you can take at that point. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was a, a very public L and basically like, you know, an early L. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Especially, yeah. Be, especially because of his amateur background, like you said. Like, he would, this was a dude who was very decorated and like yeah. expected to go places. Totally. Took a massive still, and he L. was just one of those guys. There's always in every Olympic class, there's always a couple of them that just don't pan out for whatever reason. And some don't pan out a lot worse than others. Like the ones out of the ADA class, you would have to say would be as we just as um, would be um, Andrew Maynard would probably be the biggest bust of that class, and then Hembrick. Off the top of my head, I'm sure there's a couple of others, but like Maynard definitely because he was a gold medalist and had a lot of problems, all of everything else, and just his career just kind of fell apart. But that's a story for another time, and then. Hembrick, he never really recovered after this fight, too. Like, he still, you know, he had a string of wins here and there. He would do things. But in terms of just, um, you know, really having, like, a full-on career and the promise that he might have had originally, nah, never panned out for him. No, especially how talented he was, dude. Yeah, very. Yeah, that shit's an all-timer fucking as far as... uh. As far as like clips, though, no question. Well, that's why I was always featured, man. Whenever Tuesday night fights would always like talk and like show random clips to do something, that would be one that they would definitely show, and rightfully so because it's hilarious. You know, when you do a stunt like that and you get all wild and you know breaking it down very impressively. Again, don't get me wrong; it was very good, but if you get smoked right afterwards, that's on you, bro. You got to eat that shit. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty unfortunate. <laughs> got to live with it, dude. Take that. Absolutely. Out. Another another guy. Speaking of fucking not being able to take an L, one of our favorite, you know, hilarious boxing moment characters of the last like handful of years, Victor Ortiz. Mm. Victor Ortiz, dude. Oh, I mean, man. you don't even know which moment I'm about to pick because there are so many ridiculous moments. And when I say ridiculous, I mean like the guy. He's a lunatic. He he. Me, you just I, don't know. I, Use whatever word you want to use for him. A very talented fighter in his time and made for a lot of entertaining fights, but man, that dude is out to lunch. You just, you, that's the whole, you just didn't know what he was going to say from inter this interview to the next. You have absolutely no fucking clue what the guy's going to do in the fight. And I mean, you even had hints of it early on too, when he was like just kind of winning on Delahoe, you know, on different undercards and all that. You, there was just something a little off. Uh, well, and I remember seeing him too, and I, I, I'd have to look to to know exactly what card it, what what which cards it, you know, I had seen him on. But regardless, point being, the moment that is probably the most hilarious to me is an early moment or an earlier moment, and probably the first time that we really got a glimpse of like, holy shit, what <laughs> what is this guy into? And that was the Maidana fight. The post-fight interview of the Maidana fight, because like, oh, yeah, man, yeah, dude, that was a that was a great fight. You know, Marcos Maidana is 
obviously since then has shown, you know, he's like a ridiculously tough character. He's, uh, you know, better than we thought he was, especially at the time and et cetera, et cetera. But going into this fight, Victor Ortiz was obviously the, the prospect or the person to, you know, that we thought was going to be winning and blah, blah, blah. I didn't really know that much about Marcos Maidana and back and forth fight trading knockdowns, et cetera. And I, you know, even after something like that, you could, you wouldn't really fault any fighter for just about saying, <laughs> saying just about anything, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty, I don't even know. They probably shouldn't even have interviewed him, I guess. Like, I think since then, a lot of promotions have and a lot of broadcasts have learned like maybe if a fighter gets stopped or knocked out, don't interview them. But regardless, they interviewed I feel him. bad when some of those guys get interviewed immediately after getting knocked out. Like it's become a meme. Even in like yeah. the UFC, it's become a meme now where Joe Rogan's like, you know, interview like oh, a car yeah, crash yeah, victim yeah, and yeah, Joe yeah, Rogan's like oh. I've seen that. Mm-hmm. I mean it's it's ridiculous dude like this person just got their fucking head pummeled and they're not thinking straight i've i've been in that position like i've gotten my i remember and i'll just real quick got my ass kicked real bad one time they're like yeah can you write down what happened or like can you like write down like what i remember just thinking like i can't even fucking like think right now dude i can't imagine somebody putting a fucking microphone in my face and being like yeah so what do you think about blah 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 regardless without fucking you know sympathizing too much with this crazy ass victor ortiz dude they still like that post fight interview he's like yeah you know i I don't think i deserve to be getting hit like this and i remember thinking at the time remember that wow what what does that mean i don't understand wow, what did you think was going to be happening this evening? But yeah, and then also the other awesome portion of that that I remember I edited together in like a vine or something like that years later was he's he goes, and uh, hey, and you know, hey, like he says that like 13 different times during that like two minute interview. It's great. The guy is an absolute crazy ass. And so that that interview to me is definitely one of the better moments uh, especially because it got lampooned so hardcore right afterward and that was like the earlier days of twitter and shit like that mm-hmm. that was great i re- you know what I, what's what i remember most about that is that i was actually um i think that was the first fight i was working ringside as an actual compu box operator like, oh really training but yeah i think that was the same night yeah because while that night was going on if I remember correctly, I think that same night I was working in Atlantic City um, when, uh, not Juan Manuel Marquez, uh, but the dude who sparked on um, Ponce de Leon. Lopez? Juan, Mel- Juan yes. Manuel Lopez? Yeah, yeah, Juan Manuel Lopez. Yeah, she, yeah Juan Manuel Lopez. Um, I don't remember who he fought that night because I'm not, I'm, I'm not looking up at the moment, but it was on a pay-per-view card that that Aaron put on and Jorge Arce fought on the undercard and you know and a fight that thank god ended really 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 quickly which is it was um Yuri Foreman against uh Canine Bundridge because after like two rounds I realized that fight was absolutely atrocious and I think everybody did and like we're just like thank god it just ended as quickly as it could because I was just (laughs) yeah dude uh canine bundridge was in a couple bunglers that's for sure yeah 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 and so but i remember everybody ringside getting news that ortiz like quit during the fight 
I think Rayfield was there and a bunch of other people were there where everyone was just kind of like, oh, did you hear about Victor Ortiz? Ortiz lost. He quit. Oh, my God. Like, shit was wild, man, you know. And to see all that, like, it was cool to kind of see everybody kind of get in the news at once and, like, kind of experiencing that. And everybody just kind of, like, you know, oh, no, and, like, going yeah. over and, like, talking and getting, like, trying to figure things out and all that. It was interesting. It was really, really cool. Yeah, dude, it was uh... – that was like i said the kind of like the earlier days of twitter and like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Try, finally like uh <clears throat> before then that was could, the early days of twitter like super early yeah like well or boxing twitter i think dude i think twitter twitter in out. general for that matter i think i mean well twitter was around i don't know when twitter i think that shit came out in like 2006 or some shit but i did i joined in like 2009 boxing twitter i would say yeah that's when i started too. boxing no, that's and that's yeah that's yeah. like 2009 2010 is when it really started kind of like picking up mm-hmm. and uh yeah dude before then it was like you had to sit there and fucking click refresh on the goddamn forums like for like, you know, news for somebody to post some shit and then they'd crash because everybody's clicking refresh on the forums and shit for the news. So, I mean, yeah, having Twitter around and that was a, that was definitely a big development as far as like catching news and shit like that. But yeah, that was, that was pretty wild. Cause like I said, Victor Ortiz was, I, I'd have to look back. I'm not 100% sure, but I think the year before that he was the prospect of the year. I'd have to look again. You might, you're probably right. I mean, Ortiz had a lot of hype going on for him at that point. Like, he was featured on the Delahoya Pacquiao undercard. He was featured um, on HBO uh, Boxing After Dark before that. I, I mean, after that. And um, he had, a, you know, there was there was a lot of momentum going for him. And so at that point, when he fought Maidana, that was supposed to be like, you know, his big coming out party where he was going to be a prominent player coming forward. But, you know, that was an awesome fight, though. That was a really, really, really good fight. And that was a good fight in a point where I'm not sure if Boxing After Dark was really producing that many bangers like that either. So let's see. 2009 prospect of the year. Wow. Was that a Rayfield prospect of the year? Maybe it was 2008, but in 2009, the prospect of the year was Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee. <laughs> Oof. Oh, okay. Canelo was two thousand. Oh. It was two thousand eight. So, all right. No. So, I maybe I was wrong. I totally made that shit up. And Victor Ortiz wasn't prospect of the year whatsoever. But nonetheless, <laughs> whether he was or not, like we obviously was going into that fight the favorite, favorite, and like uh, you know, considered a, a promising fighter, no question. No, 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 absolutely, man. And um, for the fact of basically, like, he, like I just mentioned, like all the momentum that he had going on at that point. Um, I think on the Delahoya Pacquiao undercard, he knocked out Jeffrey Resto. Am I right? Um, that I'd have to look. I'm not sure, but I, I remember he knocked matter, off Like Resto was another guy who had like a lot of hype going from at one point, but Ortiz like smoked. Yeah. He but knocked off a bunch of like Arnaudis, Resto. Like that's why he knocked those, off like, Resto, and then I think yeah. Arnaudis was on Boxing After Dark because I was in the I was in HBO studio working that one too. That was like the early days of Punch Zone when we were like tweaking out the system and everything. But regardless, I would say Ortiz was probably H was probably Golden Boy's biggest prospect at that point. That was like the guy they were grooming for superstardom, you know, at least at the in the late twenty uh, in the late two thousands, right? <laughs> Yeah, like no, for sure. Yeah. 
no question. So that was that. I guess that was the first of many of what would become of Ortiz's career after that, because you know he made for an entertaining career. Don't get me wrong, but he also made for just a wild one where he never obviously reached his potential because he went from that. Um, he had that memorable fight with Berto that he he came out win that he came out and won. I thought he was going to lose that. I'm sure other people did too, but he ended up winning. And then the Mayweather fiasco and all kinds of other stuff since then. And just, I mean, I, you know. Yeah, dude, it's like, like I said, it's like a, been a nonstop fucking <laughs> cornucopia. That's what it is. It's a, it's a smorgasbord. That's what you get with Victor Ortiz. Literally anything. But yeah, his, it's been entertaining. That's about it. So... This one, I'm not sure. I'm not going to say it was actually funny, but it was just something I watched live with my dad. And we were both just kind of in awe of the whole scenario because it was just like, holy shit. And we never, I mean, I'm sure he's seen stuff like that because he's been around forever. But me as a kid, um, I was 11 watching this and that was the the Bull Galata riot. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, like, I guess it was kind of funny. Well, it's funny in retrospect. but Some it, parts it, of it, man. I mean, it was, it was pretty crazy to see, but, like, it's funny. Yeah, live, it was what pretty I, what wild. I say, what I say funny is that, like, how just so unprepared MSG, everything was, was ready for that night. Like, they just didn't, like, obviously, they just didn't care because no one was there. There was no security. There was no nothing. There was nothing. Like... That's what I find kind of funny. It was just like they don't like there was literally nothing there to prepare for what could have actually been there. If you think about what was going on, if you think about like the crowds, you know, the fans that that bring that were there for that night and stuff, that type of deal. Like these dudes brought very rowdy into, you know, very uh, rowdy crowd bases. Bo with his, you know, with his people and his um and his fan base from Brooklyn and you know, in New York in general, and then Galato with his fan base and stuff like that. It makes for a very combustible atmosphere, and no one even thought about it beforehand because there was so little security, there was so little lack of preparation, whatever it may be, and then then the fight actually happens. <laughs> Dude, it's the shit, like the, the entire backstory, and I mean, <clears throat> we've talked about Riddick Bo plenty. We've talked about all the, the shenanigans and shit like that. And I mean, I guess nobody could have, nobody possibly could have predicted that Andrew Galata was going to just totally lose his mind, I guess. I mean, if you studied his backstory, maybe, but I mean, nobody really knew he was going to do what he was going to do. Not like that. And I'm, but knowing Riddick Bo, knowing all of his entourage and the people that he was always involved with and had in his corner and shit like that, dude, I mean, it was almost kind of like, you should have seen something coming. You should have seen something coming that like, you know, or, or I suppose you should have seen that if something happened that you wouldn't have been able to do shit about it. But yeah, that entire situation devolved so quickly. And then, you know, uh, the legendary knights when they did the legendary knights that was part of the series and shit like that and they had lampley on there talking about like a little bit more of the backstory of you know uh his portion of it yeah dude she was i that probably would have been scary as shit especially being there oh absolutely no question especially if you're like you're not a part of the fans the fan base so like you know you're just there working the event that's gonna be scary as shit 
course it's going to be scary. Um, what's interesting is that, like, you know, the more you think about it, I think they just kind of thought of this fight as an afterthought that Bo would just kind of smoke him. Because at this point, Bo was in a little bit of a resurgence. You know, even though he already started having the handle of him being lazy and coming in out of shape a little bit and having, like, lethargic fights against Larry Donald, Buster Mathis, Herbie Hyde to a degree. Um, <clears throat> he was he was on the upswing, like he had the third Holyfield fight, which, you know, back and forth, he ended up stopping Holyfield. And then, you know, the way he demolished Jorge Luis Gonzalez and looked really good in that fight and looked like he was in good shape for that fight too. It looked like Bo was on his A game. And Galata wasn't, it wasn't like Galata was really featured on television much at that point, right? You know, you saw him on Tuesday night fights. Like you said, he already had a reputation of being dirty beforehand because it was a fight on Tuesday night fights against Samson Pahua, for example, where he took, Pahua was putting some work on him and Galata in desperation decided to bite on his shoulder, you know? And there's that famous or infamous for that matter um, video you see Pahua like, lean back in pain after Galata decides to hop at him and then you know he ends up stopping him eventually but anyways um it was you know Bo was a prohibitive favorite and it was supposed to be just kind of like a routine fight in front of his hometown crowd but instead you know Galata put on one of the best performances of like probably one of the more impressive performances you would have seen at that point like no one expected that Galato was, you know, he looked incredible that night. I mean, Bo came in incredibly out of shape too. He had nothing and he was probably already past it from the past wars that he had now that we know more, but Galato really was whooping on him, man. You know, he had fluid technique. He was moving well. He was jabbing. He was right-handed combinations. Bo couldn't do anything with him. Galato, like there wasn't a round where Bo was able to do much with him. Galato was just whooping on him easily. And you got the sense that like, this could be in the basket for him, but then every so often, especially early on, you'd be like, pop, 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 hits him with a three-punch combination. Boom, hits him low. Kind of looked at my dad. Why do you do that? Dad just kind of looked at me, shrugs his shoulders. I don't know. And then we just keep on watching. And then a couple of rounds later, Bo, and he started realizing, boom, 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 pop, pop, hits him with a combination. Bo goes down. I'm a kid, and I was like, I look at my dad again, and, he was, and he's just shaking his head at the TV, like kind of saying, what the hell's wrong with this guy? You know what I mean? <laughs> And then um, moving on again, moving on, bop, 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 hits him with a three-punch combination to the groin. I look at my dad again, and I'm like, why is he doing this? I was like, he's winning. And my dad was like, I don't know, this guy's out of his mind type deal. Like, And now he's more entranced me, like, kind of like, shut up, kid. I don't, I'm just like, really? In... <laughs> and um, before you know it, he ends up DQing himself. And... As we've grown to know Galata over the years and realize how much of a maniac he is and how his brain works, we realize that like anytime anybody shows any type of like resistance to him, he kind of resorts to like doing some dirty shit. And that's what he ended up doing with Bo. It wasn't the fact that Bo was really like competitive with him that night or really fighting back. It was the fight that it was the fact that Bo was still there. And Bo, like every time he hit him with his best, Bo was still kind of standing. So Galata had to resort to a low blow with him a little bit or something like that. But Whatever it may have been, none of us were prepared for what was going to happen at the end of that fight. So, you know, it was already a surreal evening that you just can't, you can't believe what you're watching. Galata's clearly in control. Bo is an out of, completely out of shape. He can't do nothing with him. But Galata is losing this fight in a fight he has in the bag. He's throwing it away because he can't stop hitting this dude low. 
And as he finally hits him with the final combination, Bo goes down. This was a legit one. Galata hit him with a, like a two body punches, then a left hook, a mean left hook right to the groin that Jerry Cooney would have been proud of. Um, Bo goes down again. And that's when all hell broke loose. And that's when we were just like, that was like probably because I didn't watch the, um, the LA riots live. This was like my LA riot practically. Not that violent, but you know, I'm trying to say like, I was just like, as a kid, because right before you know it, all of a sudden in the ring, here comes Rock Newman, Bo's infamous manager, the guy that's always caused trouble beforehand, done some other dumb shit beforehand, way before this. He walks in, the first thing he does is points his finger and says, get him. You just see him yell his voice. And then all of Bo's posse starts pouncing. Dude, I actually, that's one of the few things that I, uh, I actually remember watching that shit live. And yeah. I, I think that I watched it with my stepsister and her husband. I think I'm pretty sure that like I went over to their house and they had gotten it or they were watching it or something like that. But regardless, it's one of the few, it's one of the like few things that I actually remember watching live from around that time, even if I wasn't like a big fan then or whatever, but I do remember watching that shit and being like, what is, what the fuck is this guy doing, dude? Like, I, I don't, I don't understand to this day. Nobody understands to this day. He still hasn't offered an ex explanation that I think that really makes sense beyond, you know, he just wanted out of the fight, dude. He, you know, I mean, I, like what I, I really I guess think I mean, the whole resistance thing. I think it was the fact that Bo wasn't going to go down. And he was like, Bo was taking a tremendous amount of punishment. Absolutely. Like he took a lot of punishment, but Galata he wasn't like, like he wasn't like going down and just, you know, laying there for him. And Galata, as he showed before that, if you show some, some sort of some like resistance to him. Yeah. He's gonna he just didn't react to well to it. Yeah. He doesn't react well to that type of stuff. And, um, Layman Brewster. <laughs> Oh man, I just watched that the other day. Brewster absolutely smoked his boots. Bro. Yeah, our dude Jay Seklow uploaded <laughs> that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but that was for the next 20 minutes, we were just entranced on the television, man. That wasn't for me again, as a because I happened like I was in, I was 11, so the summertime. I was just entranced. I'm just watching this. Like I couldn't believe what I'm watching, man, because it wasn't being stopped. You know, I had seen, like, fights break out in the ring before that, but they usually get scuffled and just kind of like, broken up relatively quickly, you know? And Yeah, that shit was like, was, like, a brawl here and then a brawl over here. Yeah, yeah. There was, like, pockets of stoppage, you know what I mean? It wasn't just, like, a full-on riot for 20 minutes and the whole place just exploded. It looked like it was quelled for a minute. And then, things, and then you would hear people saying, looks like the riots, you know, people <laughs> are finally calming down. All of a sudden, you see someone, pow! catch someone with a right hand and then the whole place would explode again and then it just wouldn't stop but like again there was no security there was no really nothing going on at the garden and like you um when you mentioned earlier about the legendary knights i think the guy who was in charge the police chief whoever it was i don't remember but he had no idea until he turned on the news and heard there was a riot at the garden then he was like holy shit and then he started making phone calls to get a quilt yeah, dude, like, yeah, the whole, <clears throat> like I said, they say more about like exactly what was happening on the, on the legendary nights about yeah. it and shit. And yeah, dude, that shit was like the perfect, luckily nobody wound up getting, you know, there, there weren't like 
more serious injuries and shit like that all told because it was like the perfect fucking storm for something yeah, much if you worse watch it, man some dudes were getting walloped with some shots <clears> bro like it was it was vicious but the last thing i'll say about it man and there was Mount Mult. There was a few people that will attest to this. That were that were there. George Foreman saved a lot of asses that night. Yeah, the but don't do crew. it, son. Yeah, exactly. That's when people were approaching, and George was standing there. And was like, "Don't do it! Don't do it! Who's gonna step? I don't care who you are. You ain't stepping to George Foreman." <laughs> yeah, I was. I mean, especially at that point, what was that like 95, 96? 96. 95 something like that i mean that was just two years after he'd won the heavyweight like nobody he was still nobody lineal champion shit. at that point he hadn't lost to shannon briggs yet yeah, yeah nobody's gonna do shit oh uh -uh, he's gonna crush your skull into a powder <laughs> uh-oh brought up shannon briggs oh no <laughs> somebody's gonna get mad <laughs> but straight up man like you ain't gonna step to george they, that's why oh, that was no. the most perfect place me? i think jerry cooney wasn't far away over there either um even i remember lou del val was in the background of a in the background of a video while the whole thing was going down like what a crazy scene man yeah man that shit yeah that shit devolved pretty bad then like the the only other there's there were a handful of la fights like that that uh had riots afterward like another one was chucho castillo or lionel rose lionel versus rose, chucho, chucho castillo, castillo yeah that shit was pretty bad but I mean, still, that that's going back like a lot of years. But another, I got another Galata one on my on my list. Okay. Or I guess I should say it involves Galata. But this is a funny one for sure, and it also involves some Massachusetts. So you'll get a good laugh out of it. Um, so several years after Bo Galata one and two. Andrew Galata is having a career comeback resurgence himself. You know, he's uh, he had kind of gone away for a little while. And then when he had come back, he actually looked pretty good. I mean, he, he never really looked that bad as a fighter anyway. Like it was just that he imploded. Like he looked pretty good. It's just he couldn't handle the fucking pressure. But then he had come back, you know, he winds he winds up fighting his way to a few different title shots because the titles are spread around despite the fact that Lennox Lewis is you know uh Lennox Lewis is the champion and then when he retires it just kind of that fractures everything but and he hooked up with Don King and at that point King still had some pull yeah and so Don King getting a hold of you know trying to work Hasim Rahman back into the picture you know, and like he's he's putting on these pay-per-views with John Ruiz and Rockman, Chris Bird, fucking Devero Williams, all these fucking fools. And anyway, uh, on one of these cards, um, John Ruiz winds up fighting Andrew Galata. And I mean, I think that at this point, John Ruiz has kind of earned the reputation of being somebody who like just won't go away whether you don't like him, whether you do like him. And just, I, I don't think that I knew of one single person who actually liked him for like, for like him as a fighter, they would just be like, yeah, I root for him. Cause he's like from a mile from where I live or some shit. I but mean, like, if you watched his fights at all, it was because you were hoping his trainer Stoney was going to do something. Stupid. Well, but and that's precisely did. why that's exactly why the Galata yes. fight lives on in infamy. Because I mean, oh, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> Stoney himself was like, 
the guy was is he still he's still around i'm sure we would yeah, heard yeah, about he's it still, he's still kicking i don't i've i don't i mean i'm not um really active in the massachusetts scene but they <laughs> would probably know more than we would about what stoney's up to i'm sure he's i'm sure he's still involved with all of the really young children and not cussing at all in the gym <laughs> whatsoever but I mean, you know, the guy was just <laughs> oh like, you God. didn't know what the fuck he was going to do. Like, what's what was it? Alton Merkerson against uh, Roy Jones at the weigh-in. Or it was, if it was Nobody not the weigh-in. In that one, man. Yeah, if it wasn't the weigh-in, then it was like, it was you know. No, no, it was a face-off I think it was, a, it was a press conference. It was yeah. something going on. But yeah, and, you know, oh, fuck you guys, you motherfuckers. All yeah. sorts of shit, you know, steps up. And then Alton Mer- Merkerson just fucking gives a whap. And then the next thing you know, like, you know, Stoney's showing up to the next prep conference with like a bandage on his head and shit. No, I mean, you know what was bad about that? He ended up shaving his head after that for some reason. Yeah. And then you I, see his big pimply ball. I don't know why. I don't yes. Know it was like, somebody like nicked his head 19 times. So he's got like his head looks awful. Yeah. And was, I mean, it was, oh my God. It was dude. awful. I'm just like, dude, are you serious? Yeah. He looked yeah. terrible. And but he had a history of being ext- everybody involved with John Ruiz had a history of being extremely defensive about John Ruiz because he had a style that was boring as shit. Mm-hmm. It there was a ton of clinching and a ton of rabbit punching. I mean, and watch, I'm probably gonna get a fucking message or a tweet or something about even just saying this on this goddamn podcast. 100 percent serious, not joking whatsoever. Uh, fucking his his attorney like was threatening me on Twitter and shit a while back. I was like, holy shit, dude, calm down. It's not my fault. He sucked. It's fucking boring. But like, that's exactly the problem was that like you'd watch him and it wasn't generally entertaining. People usually were not fans and they were just waiting for him to get knocked off. And then finally here he fights Andrew Galata and people are kind of like, ah, fuck dude, Galata, he's not going to do anything. It's going to be another instance where Ruiz basically, you know, one, two jab or a jab grab, you know, one, two grab does that to, on his way to fucking winning a 12 round decision. And it's going to be awful. Lo and behold, Andrew Galata starts timing him fairly early and gets him down twice. And it's like, oh, shit, dude, Galata might fucking take his title. Holy shit. And over the course of the fight, dude, uh, you know, Galata's getting kind of rough because, uh, you know, Ruiz would hold. Like, he'd get hurt and he'd fucking reach to hold and then he'd start rabbit punching himself. And so Galata started rabbit punching him back and started kind of getting physical with him and throwing him around and shit. And so Stoney started losing his shit in the corner and he starts yelling at the referee, Randy Newman, you know, like, oh, come on, you got to fucking do something to this cocksucker. What the fuck is wrong with you, you motherfucker? Like, I mean, like really unloading and shit. And then finally, at some point, he like walks Ruiz to the corner because Ruiz is like hurt, you know, so he like walks him to the corner and fucking Stoney's losing his shit. And he's like, oh, come on, you cocksucker. What a fucking piece of shit you turned out to be and all this shit. And Randy Newman like walks back and he's like dude you say this shit one more time and you're out dude and he's just like you're not doing your job ref you're not doing your job and and he's Randy Newman's just thinking like he's even got a smile on his face at a couple points because he's just like how can I take this fucking guy seriously bro and then finally finally Stoney gets just dude Randy Newman just has had it dude he's like get get out of here dude like you're you gotta go you're gone and he goes like what I say what I say 
I didn't say nothing. I didn't say nothing. And he's so like, he was like, so and so, you're in charge. Right? Yeah. And so he fucking, yeah, points to somebody. And then the funniest shit about this is like a round later, they cut to a camera between rounds or uh, during the round or some shit. And Stoney's watching the fight from the locker room. And he's going like, this guy, I didn't say nothing. This guy I didn't do nothing wrong. He's <laughs> Like a manager perfectly and you know what the funniest thing is that randy newman would have beat his ass from up end the from yeah, one he had like a foot of height on him dude and he's just right. like what are you doing randy newman was a fucking fighter from the was a heavyweight in the 70s who fought a pretty good like you know who's who of guys back in that era and didn't have a bad record all right newman definitely would have whooped him dude. <laughs> And Stoney's just thrown every not to see him after the fight because Newman would have cooked his grits quickly. <laughs> yeah, every fucking Stoney called him everything but a fucking hole in the wall. It was like Jesus, dude. He he just unloaded on him, and then he's just like, "What I do? What did I do?" This fucking guy. <laughs> you can't make that type of stuff up, man. But like, yeah, man, Newman actually would have cur- like would have stumped something <laughs> like down. This is what absolutely annihilated him in a real fight. Like he saw Murkison doing to him. Should let let Galata go after him. I'm saying, but like you mentioned, man, Galata had himself a nice little run at that point. Like he fought after he uh, he fought Ruiz, he fought Chris Bird, um, and it kind of ended after Lehman Brewster smoked him really quick. That was the end of it because that was Don King's last heavyweight he tried yeah. to match him up with, and that was that. But it, yeah, that was that was a kind of weird, but you know, interesting run in the early 2000s where, like, Don had those marathon pay-per-views, you remember? That was, like, kind of HBO-affiliated. Where? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they had Ruiz, uh, Rockman was on that. Um, I think Mayorga, Spinks, like, all kinds of different fights, but... Yeah, know. yeah, that was... One of them was the... It was, like, the Night of the Champions or Night of Titles or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was like four or five different like championship fights, but it was like just it was just the style matchups of like four of of the five fights were just awful or something. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember which one it was, uh, but I just remember there was a couple of them back to back that were just like just terrible. I mean, Don King actually had himself a pretty good run in the two thousands, and and then no, uh, he, he really did. I mean, everybody. Look, you know, Don Don's name is relatively fresh after this past weekend. Everybody says, you know, likes to mention his run in the '80s, which obviously you have to because of the names he was affiliated with. But Don had an incredible run in the '90s, which you know people do credit him with with Revenge of the Rematches and other pay per views he put on. But like you did mention, man, it's not like Don just like stopped promoting around like 1998 and you never heard from him again. He was still going strong up until like. I don't know, 2006, 2007, he was still, yeah. you know, putting on consistently and still on television. And it was kind of after that, he started falling off considerably, but up until then, especially in the early two thousands, it wasn't like Don was going anywhere. He still had a very high number of fighters. So yeah, dude, he, you know, he, uh, he had the cruiserweight division locked up for a number of really? years there in the two yeah. thousands. And he still had Trinidad for, you know, in the early 2000s oh. and other, you know, main fighters. Yeah, Don was still doing his thing. But um, another one I wanted to bring up was um, um, was one that, again, I've seen in a highlight video from back in the day and stuff. I just kind of found it absolutely hilarious. 
and but it still talks about a guy that was like you know current in our fandom from early 2000s champion so sean bay mitchell when he got his trunks pulled down this goes back to the same episode yep. bazooka limon yeah. yeah so sean bay mitchell at that point this was going back to 1990 again so now it's what 32 years ago basically um more or less whenever the fight took place um mitchell's an up-and-coming you know can um young prospect yeah i think he was around 13 to 0 and bazooka limon is a grizzled old veteran who by 1990 is beyond washed i mean he's fought everybody at this point you name him he's fought them he had the incredible wars with bobby chacon concluding with their maybe the best fight of the 80s in um his loss for the junior lightweight championship he fought arguello he fought this one he fought that one he fought he fought everybody wouldn't lose a draw and like Lamone wasn't like no guy that was like a very like and it's almost like tough for my brain to even like grasp that like Charmbe Mitchell and like Bazooka Bazooka Lamone. Lamone. I know what? it doesn't make sense but then you see how long he fought and there you go you know that's crazy and when I was a kid and when I saw a clip of it I didn't really think much of it in terms of like the the difference there but as an adult and I see it I'm just kind of like why Anyone like Lamont who fought as long as he yeah. did had no business fighting near anywhere close to 1990. But you know, you know, you should have retired in the early to mid 80s after the probably after the Chacon fight for that matter. But um, anyways, you watch the fight and Mitchell is in control. I mean, it's not a very exciting fight. Lamont, like I said, is completely washed, and Mitchell is still a prospect. He wasn't even as like a seasoned champion. He wasn't Mister Exciting. Would you say right? Mitchell? Yeah. No, he like, was he, like was, he was a good fighter and he was compact and stuff, but he wasn't yeah. a guy that like, you know, really made you nah, like he well. was he was like if you put him in against the right style. If you put yeah. him in against a fighter who was going to always come to him and like mm-hmm. be aggressive, he could be pretty fun, but otherwise he was like a, you know, more of a slicker type of yeah, exactly. precision exactly. guy. So Putting him in with Lamone at that point, I mean, that's just more or less like a glorified sparring session, but it's aired on Tuesday night fights, or I think it was still Tuesday fights in 1990. And so, yeah. Mitchell is just kind of going through the motions until Lamone, you can tell he's bored and he's annoyed and he knows he's not going to have a chance of winning, decides to have a little bit of fun. <laughs> and that's when he kind of grabs up on Mitchell and you see him in the, in the commentators, Al Bernstein, at, not Albert, um, Al Albert and um, Sean O'Grady, I think it was. They notice it, and you see Lamone start grabbing on him, grabbing on him, grabbing on him a little bit. Yeah, because he's like, he he like gets a couple tries. Gets a couple of tries, and then he finally pulls it down, and and then, you know, you just see Mitchell's poor, like, tidy whitey Haynes or whatever he's wearing with his cup, and it's just, that is embarrassing. But it's also hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, dude. I I remember seeing clips of that back in the day, and I want to say it's on YouTube, but I'm not positive. It is, definitely. Yeah. I remember seeing clips of that back in the day, though, too. And, like, and I mean, I guess the whatever, I don't really give a fuck who's wearing what, but one of the funny things is Sean Bay Mitchell, like years later, was one of the fighters that would wear that helped popularize the, um, I don't know how you'd even describe The trunks them. that was just like, it yeah, was like, like tassels like, or the tassel trunks. Tassel I guess. Trunks. I mean, I don't yeah. know what you call them. They were like, but fucking they were like, flaps. no, it was just straight up. There was just flaps. There was nothing. Yeah. There was no actual trunk. They were just flaps. Like Camacho. And, like interlocking flaps. Like Camacho was like started the kind of the trend, but he, I don't, I can't recall Camacho actually wearing trunks like that. 
he wore similar ones and so did Meldrick Taylor I think for the um uh Terry Norris fight but yeah. they they were you know trunks that were kind of I want whatever you want like you know more kind like of loincloth-y like they almost yeah. look like a loincloth or some shit yeah 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 but Charmbe that was especially in the late 90s that became like his uh that became his thing yeah and, and I think and other Chop Chop Corley like, started doing that shit too top two there was because there was other fighters who started doing it around that time too but Charmbe was the first one and he did it right when I remember he wore I think he wore those trunks against um Khalid Raliu when he won the belt and he kind of wore him subsequently against other guys too but Damn. Like, maybe he maybe he started doing that shit some motherfuckers couldn't pull him down Pull them down again. Yeah, everything's just kind of right there in the open, right? Maybe, maybe it just fucking worked that way, you know. But I just kind of just like, dude, really, you know, and it's embarrassing. Lamone just kind of did it to be an asshole, obviously, and just kind of like show him up because he was getting whooped on. But it's still funny nonetheless. I mean, it's I guess looking back, like I don't know why you wouldn't just like disqualify him. Like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Like, yeah or at least take go home off, bro right? what are you they, doing they didn't do nothing they just kind of pulled his trunks up mitchell looked embarrassed because he's young and lamone you see him he kind of throws his hands up like and like he's happy that he yeah yeah he's like everybody three. look at me he's like yeah 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 and like, then he the goes fuck, back dude? and taps gloves again like hey i'm sorry for doing like you know uh still it was an asshole. <laughs> yeah you've been trying it for 30 seconds sorry <laughs> fucking dick <laughs> yeah and Speaking of dicks, but this one got his comeuppance for sure. Although I I don't know if it's 100%, you know, balanced out karma wise because of the person who dealt out the comeuppance. But nonetheless, I do remember the lead up to this fight back in 2002, 2002, 2002. Yeah. De La Hoya Vargas. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I remember the fucking lead up to the fight, dude. Shit was so hilarious. This is just almost everything about this shit I remember so fondly. I guess just because of the time it was in my life, but also just the shit that happened. Because I was actually rooting for Vargas. I mean, I don't know, I, almost everybody I know was just, but I didn't really know a shitload of Deloya fans. Mostly it was like the perception was that Vargas was tougher. Vargas was more of a badass, you know, et cetera. And Deloia was softer. He was coddled more. He was always, you know, the fucking Olympian. He's soft, softy, whatever. And, but I remember some of the fucking trash talk from Vargas leading up to the fight, dude, because uh, Max Boxing covered the fucking fight so closely. And they like sent a video to the press conferences and shit like that. And so I remember that this was one of the, Hopkins Trinidad was probably the first one I remember, but this was right around that time. And one of the first times I remember a fight, like in the, in the entire promotion being covered, like in depth and getting to see video from like all of the press conferences, like from like start to finish type of shit. Like you'd usually you'd see like clips on the news or something, right? Like you didn't get to see the whole fucking thing or like maybe you'd read chunks of it in the paper or in a magazine, but you didn't get to see like the entire press conference and so anyway, I no, just remember read about it. You never actually got yeah. to see it going down. Yeah. This was right around the time where you like, you know, finally, because of websites and shit like that covering them, you got to see the press conferences or more of them anyway. And I just remember clips of fucking Vargas uh trying so hard to fucking clown Deloya. One of the things he said was, I mean, especially now in hindsight, it's like cringe as fuck. But at the time I remember cracking up, he says that. Over here, we got the ferocious squad and every like these like all these dudes like flexing and shit. And he's like, We got the Peter Pan squad over here. 
and he starts talking like he's like i want to be a real boy and and starts saying all this sorts of like disney shit to de la Oya, who's starting to actually get really mad and shit like that and he's like getting into his fucking getting into his head apparently but like uh but one of the funniest things is that how how tough vargas is acting and how much shit he's talking and then someone finally gets it out of him and they're like why the fuck are you so mad at oscar like what did you what happened and so he's finally tells this story where he's like yeah, like we're in Big Bear and Oscar's in Big Bear too. And we're both training and I slipped in the ice and I was sitting and I was laying on the ice and Oscar De La Hoya like ran by me and laughed. And I was like, you're so mad because years ago he ran by you because you ate shit like a dumbass and he laughed. And like you've carried this much with you this entire time. And that was literally it. And they asked Oscar and he was just like, I don't remember this whatsoever. And at that moment, I was just like, Vargas is fucked. This guy's fucked because he's been living this moment and Oscar doesn't even know what the fuck he's talking about. Oh no. But that was just some of the funniest shit to me. And then, so then having him finally, you know, after all this shit, after looking like a dumbass, like getting his ass kicked. And then on top of that, testing positive for steroids. And not only testing positive for steroids, but like one of the most basic steroids that has been like testable and findable for like decades. Total idiot. I mean, that, there's a photo, I think it was in Ring Magazine of him and the guy that he was, uh, that was like his personal trainer and they were both flexing. And Vargas is one of those guys like Chavez. They're not shredded. They don't, they don't have those type of bodies that are just going to be like made to be like, you know, shredded from head to toe. And Vargas was shredded in that photo. I remember that shit. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And I, I'm just like, I remember even looking at back then, like, I'm just like, that just doesn't look right, you know? And then, like you said, after the fight, not only did he get knocked out, he put up a hell of a fight, but... He did, yeah. He did. It was, it was a very, very, very good fight. But Oscar, you know, eventually came through with that left hook at the end, man, just walloping Vargas and dramatic the way it was. But, yeah. Uh, like one of those knockdowns where the dude, it's like he almost like whips to the canvas. Like, yeah, he, they yeah, doesn't like yeah. fall, but he's like, rap. Like, it's like there's went, real it was, momentum. It was, it was very, very heavy. And to watch the way he got dropped like that, man, was was some crazy shit. So it was like, it was it was a dramatic ending. And then to see Oscar finish him off and Vargas's head kind of like a pinwheel, just you know going around. Yeah, dude. Like that's like the typical Oscar ending too, when he gets a guy on the ropes and he starts throwing the flurries, and that's how they just have to kind of like stop the fight. And well, it's, yeah, <laughs> that's like a double L because yeah, like you said, man, he tested positive soon after that, and his career again, he never, he still had big fights after that, but he never really got back to that level or he was where he was ready to fight Oscar. Nope. Like he was on pay per view soon. You know, he was still on pay per view. He had two fights with Shane. Mm-hmm. um he had the fight with Mayorga, like yeah. you know he was still prominently featured but he was never really able to recapture anything like that afterwards you know he was kind of shocked well and he and every time he was every time you saw him after that and he didn't have a fight sign he was large yeah oh very much so every time i was, I was working with showtime when i first moved out here and that's when the Mayorga fight was first um that's when the viral fights was first um, announced and they were going through the press conferences. Uh, I wasn't at the one in LA or in Cali, wherever it was out there where um, the actual like th- blows were thrown. I was when the one in New York, they had a plexiglass between them. I was there for that. Yeah. And like the old Bo Jorge Luis Gonzalez special. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I still, and that was, I was, I was watching that one. I still got pushed away by security as they tried to like intervene between them because they were about to go at it. That was a crazy scene. Yeah, uh, he's like, he's like hitting the glass. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my first press conference I had ever oh. been to. I was like a wide-eyed kid. I was 22, and I'm just going. Oh like, shit! Like, so this is what it's like. Seen. Yeah, I was like that. You know. Literally, bro, I was like two, I was a month and a half out of college. And here I am at a press conference for my Orga and Vargas. <laughs> it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, but one I wanted to bring up too, and I'm sure you're going to laugh at this one because it's something we can both like um, crack up on is that, you know, one thing you should never do in a fight, right, is... um try to get overly braggadocious I guess and start really taunting your opponent and start being an asshole right do you think I know where I'm going with this I hope so so it was a guy that I mean I was a big fan of him back in the day but you know he kind of really 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 messed up in this fight and that's Nate Campbell oh it's right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about funny and ironic and just you have to clown on him for whatever happened that fight that's a, it, it doesn't get brought up much anymore if you really think about it, when's the last time you really heard about it? Or if it gets like clips of shown on boxing Twitter or anything, probably me posting it. <laughs> yeah. It's been a minute, right? It's not a fight yeah. that gets brought up often. And considering what happened in it and how funny it was and Dude. like, it's, it should get more attention. <laughs> well, especially cause Nate Campbell was like, you know, I remember reading about him in ring, uh, like years before that. And I remember like, uh, yeah, like he was, he was, uh, big on uh the florida amateur scene yeah yeah yeah. like mm -hmm. he had a he and he's still friends with like a bunch of you know like florida fighters and shit like that so i mean i remember reading I was, about him for a while i was a big fan of him when i saw him on uh, i forgot what pay-per-view it was but when i saw him ice daniel alisea on on a pay-per-view back in the day i was really impressive not to say that alisea was like a major killer or nothing but he was a he was a good contender back in the day, a tough guy. Yeah, I saw that Casemiro fight at Pachanga. That was in oh, like, you were there. That was at like two thousand one, two thousand two ish. Were you there? Yeah. Oh no shit, that's pretty awesome. Maybe two thousand three. God, I'd have to look. I don't know. But well, that's was... one Casemiro, man. That's why I love about him. He wanted all the smoke back then. Think about everybody that there was around. He literally would fight anybody. Yeah. Think about that it. was a good fight. Because, a yeah, lot of people thought Campbell, Campbell won that fight. I thought he did too, but. That was that just showed you like Campbell's because Campbell was taking a major step up at that point too. He did have a oh, good yeah. amount of fights, but Casemiro was on a whole nother level than what he was at, and he hung with him tooth and nail up until the end because, like you said, it was a very very close fight. Yeah. But so from there, you know, Campbell was a known commodity at lightweight. It was popular because he was a braggadocious dude and he had a good personality. And combining with him, be able to knock a dude clearly out. So. When he was going to fight Robbie Peden, Robbie Peden was a good contender from Australia, a tough guy that was like, you know, featherweight junior lightweight in the late 90s, early 2000s, and had a very, very good record, had a good record for himself, and was a really tough guy, but whenever he had really stepped up to the, stepped up at that point, he'd kind of like fallen apart. Um, I want to yeah. say the Marquez fight was before that, right? Definitely Yes. Was. Okay. And that was probably his most memorable fight. That was on HBO Boxing After Dark. He gave Marquez a good fight. Very, He was competitive throughout it. And, I mean, Marquez was clearly ahead throughout the fight, but Peden gave a good account of himself. But um, I'll let you... Vomiting blood in his yeah. corner. 
Yeah, he ended up puking blood clearly all over the place in the corner, you know, infamously. You just, that's what Juan Merrill Marquez can do to you. But that's what Peter was probably most known for. She was brutal. So, um, I want to say this was for a vacant title, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, there was, there was some, if it, if there wasn't a title on this one, I'm pretty sure there's a title in the rematch. Okay, but yeah, all right, you're probably. I, right. I'd have to they look. I don't remember points, for but sure, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, you're, you're okay. So, but in this fight, I think Campbell was in control for the majority of it, and that's why he started his taunting. You know, what I mean, he had Peter doing that. That's when he started sticking his tongue out, sticking his chin out, sticking his chin out, sticking his tongue out, and then, boom, out goes the lights. <laughs> yeah, dude, he he had just hurt Robbie Peden real bad with a body shot. Like he had just like ripped him with a body shot, and that's why Robbie Peden like mm-hmm. he leans down and he's covering up his body because he got him real good. And then uh, Peden tried to kind of like surprise him as he did that, and that's why Nate Con- Campbell stood up with his gloves down, like bitch, you know, like he was trying to be like what, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like what the fuck are you gonna do? But he just lost sight, dude, and it it's uh. I mean, from like a tactical standpoint, it's actually something you could learn from because you it's literally just Robbie Peden sticking his head down so that you can't see what his hands are doing. Mm -hmm. And so by the time that he moves his head, there's already a punch coming toward you. And it's kind of like a weird uppercutty looking thing. And Nate just didn't even see it whatsoever. His head damn near came clean fucking off, dude. Shit was awful. (laughs) That was a vicious knockout, my dude. Yeah think one of the every you can look and see the clips but almost all of the clips that you see um like on youtube for instance are like the they're from the fox news or are the fox news fucking fox sports replays and it's, it'll say nothing but knockouts on the it yes. says like yeah 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 but if you i i've posted more of like the the actual you know the fight footage before i don't know if i post the interview but the interviews like actually at the time i was laughing my ass off of course because it was like this had just happened and i was i watched it live and was like holy shit this is hilarious but now you know of course looking back it's like really sad uh max kellerman is sitting there trying to talk to nate campbell afterwards and they're like you know again just stop interviewing fighters who just got blasted. But Nate Campbell is like fighting back sobbing. And he's, and he's trying to ask him like, can you explain to us what happened? And Nate Campbell's like, <laughs> you know, like, Oh, trying to not sob. And he's like, I, I got caught. It's in oh, at the time. Again, I was laughing my ass off, but <laughs> now looking back, I'm like, wow, this is sad. Because it's like messed up when you do that. Like when, when Darrell got like inadvertently knocked out by Abraham. Yeah. And they're like, you asked him, so what happened? I mean, like Jim Gray came right up to him and he there's like 19 people talking to him. And he's and he's like confused, like just woke up. What the fuck? And like, yo, and he's his eyes watery. I felt so bad for him. He's like, I got knocked out, man. And they're like, no, no, you won, you won. And he has no idea what that, he just got. Yeah, and he's sitting there going, everybody shut up. Everybody shut up. Because there's like 19 people going, yeah. Or the OG clip, clip, Pat, with Marlon Starling against um, Thomas Malianaris. I didn't get knocked out. I didn't get knocked out. And then Larry Merchant, you know, famously says, you only need, you only have to be down for 10 seconds, Marlon. 
Well, but he didn't have me down. Yeah, you know. Like, yeah, but he didn't have me down. Yeah, yeah. He starts arguing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 absolutely wild. Yeah, dude. It's it's a bad idea. Just stop interviewing fighters when they're concussed. It's let's stop. But, dude, you actually, uh, you actually brought this one up, and so I'm gonna steal it from you. Hopefully, I'm not stealing your your last one. But I just, dude. Nah, I have a good one. Okay, good. The the translator. Translator. Okay, good. So that all right, yeah, all right. Oh so, no, 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 no! I know where you're going with this. Yeah, okay, no, 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 just no, making yeah, sure. Yeah, you're, you're actually, you're you're better. You're better to talk about this than I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, damn! And now I'd I'd have to double check because I fucking forgot to to look which Deloya fight it was. But Julio Cesar Chavez versus Oscar Deloya. I think it was the rematch. This, this I mean, is the, the rematch. You know what? It, all you have to do is mention Ray Flores and people are going to know that. Yeah, Ray uh, Torres, yeah. Ray, excuse me, not Flores. Excuse me, Ray Torres. All you got to do is mention Ray. Yeah, I don't want to get the current guy in trouble. Um, all you have to do is mention Ray Torres, who was pretty faint. You know, if you heard, if you watched any type of boxing pay-per-view back in the 90s and early 2000s, you heard him as an interpreter. So and as if you knew that, you knew he was probably doing some bungling of words. Yes, and and on top of that, dude, there's a couple of like actual translation issues here, like cultural issues here. Because if I'm not mistaken, Ray Torres is Puerto Rican and Julio Cesar Chavez, Mexican. I mean, I'm not saying that a Puerto Rican cannot communicate with a Mexican, but sometimes slang means different things. Sometimes there are certain words that mean different things, or it might mean something stronger in one uh in in one version of Spanish than the other etc and that's kind of what happened here but Ray Torres throughout his tenure at HBO I think he's probably a good guy probably a nice guy but there were a handful of like key mistranslations that he did over the years I just liked his voice I he had like a type of voice that was kind of like high and (laughs) he was animated there you go animated with his translations yeah like and, he'd do like the inflections like he wasn't just like yeah and i hit him I, with the jab hit him with the right hand come fan, on you're I gonna get him that. like you know come when on I would hear you're gonna get him like, here I couldn't, I couldn't like you could barely hear what they were saying because they were so monotone i enjoyed him yeah <laughs> go ahead and hit him with the jab you're getting to him come on yeah you're like come on you gotta do this right now hit him yeah. Ask, nah, double jab with the right hand yeah, yeah, he'd, he'd just like, get like, even if it, what he was saying was incorrect, he'd get the inflection and it was like fun. He got me hyped as like, a kid. Whenever I would hear him, I would get excited because whenever Oscar one of them dudes were fighting, I'm like, oh shit, all right, my man's getting on the on the, on the the translation. Well, like in, in one of the best ones was uh, Eric Morales, Zahir Rahim. Uh, let me, let me put some water on your balls. That was, that was the infamous put some water on your balls fight. Another one was, uh, I think it was after round two in uh, Ricardo Mayorga versus Vernon Forrest one, where like their heads came together at some point and yeah. Mayorga goes to his corner and he says that this dude has hair that's really hard, like his head's really hard because we came together and he goes, that black guy. He hits I hard. Remember that. <laughs> and I remember just going like, what did he just say? Like this fucking guy, but he almost got killed. He almost got killed by Julio Cesar Chavez. I mean, Julio Cesar Chavez looked like, you know, he was about to damn near strangle Ray Torres. So after uh, he quits in the corner or the fight gets stopped as Julio Cesar Chavez in the corner, because he's cut up real bad against Oscar Deloya. 
And so then afterwards, they go backstage and they're interviewing Julio Cesar Chavez and they're trying to figure out, you know, uh, Larry Merchant's there and he's trying to figure out like, you know, what happened? What, you know, what exactly happened, you know, in the corner there, blah, 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 who, blah, blah, blah. And so uh, Ray Torres is basically translating, but he's, the way that he's translating is that he's repeating what Larry Merchant says, but it's almost as if he's saying it like it's him asking it you know and it was just that like it was a bad miscommunication so he's trying to say like is it true that you gave up in the corner but the way that he asks it is he's basically like you so you gave up in the corner so and like as if he's stating it you know what i mean and it goes bullshit bullshit and starts fucking getting heated and so the second Ray Torres tries to like go, no, 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 no. And puts his hand on his shoulder. Julio Cesar Chavez just like, get your fucking hand off me and starts smacking his hand off. And I was like, wow, bro, something's about to go down. Mm-hmm. Luckily, nothing did. Somehow it got smoothed over and Chavez did not order a hit on anybody. But that night, Ray Torres almost died. He came so well, close. Bro, Chavez, well, if Chavez lost, he always got animated in his interviews. All right. Well, um, which, so that would have been his fourth loss, right? I think so. Yeah. So Frankie Randall. Yeah, because he lost. He lost to Will. He lost to Willie Wise after after Delo after the yes. Delo rematch. Yeah. So that was like two thousand one or some shit. No, that was way. Before. Uh, no, no. I'm no, thinking like of the uh, Grover fucking what is Grover name? Wiley. Yeah. 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 Willie so, Wise was like ninety seven or ninety eight. So yeah, he he lost to Randall first, and then he lost to Oscar after that, and then, um. Okay, so yeah, but he uh, like that like whenever he would lose, I don't I don't remember the interview after the first Oscar fight. I think he blamed it on fucking Julio Junior blooding him up in a in a play in a play um in a play spat or something play sparring with him but um that's how he said he could like remember how he like started bleeding like a stuck pig in the first round of their first fight and he said he blamed that on his kid like play fighting with him or something like that which i think was julio jr not omar and then um so but yeah but like you said dude he always like in the first fight with frankie randall when he lost that and he absolutely lost his mind and his interpreter back then was um I forgot her name, but it was a, a female lady who was pretty popular because of Chavez back then. Cause she was known for him, like working with him. And she was pissed. Um, even maybe even more so pissed off than Chavez was because she was going in. That's it. That Richard Steele, I'm going to sue him. I'm going to do this and that. I just, I was a slip. I didn't lose what low blows. I did nothing. Like they were losing their minds. Chavez was a sore loser. That's what people started turning off with him. Because he was such a great fighter and all that other stuff, but when he started yeah. losing, he became a big baby. There were a lot of it. excuses. Oh, tons of them, man. So, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that one was like Chavez went out on his shield against Delahoya in the rematch. Like, I, I got to give him credit for that. Like, he put up a very good fight. Delahoya was probably at, was around his peak and you know, in absolute prime. Yeah, he got cut up. Yeah, I mean, like he, he did. He just got absolutely sliced up, but he gave he he gave his all, but he was completely washed. And yeah, he was outsized. You know, he got cut up he was not if he, and he were, was older and he had a lot of outside yeah. and he had a lot of outside activities that wasn't going to help him against the lawyer at that yeah, point exactly so. exactly so i mean you know but but even so dude it was a that was hysterical a great moment in translator <laughs> history that's for sure and then so like i'll mention a couple of like just um many ones before i'll just say the one that like personally for me which was always funny 
but like all of them are called not for all of his issues poor guy he's had a lot of issues going on but after he beat lennox lewis the first time all right HBO doesn't really show up because it cuts off so absolutely quickly, but it is one of the most funniest pre um, post fight interviews you will ever see. You see McCall there celebrating going wild. You see Don, all of Don King's cronies behind him wilding out too. Everybody's just celebrating, cheering, all that, right? Larry Merch is trying to talk to him, and they're like, Do you think this would have been? And he's like, Do you think this was a good stoppage? And they're like, What do you think would have happened if the fight would have? He would have been down for good. You hear me? And he was like, do you think this fight would have been stopped? What? What do you want me to do? Kill the man? See, that's what's wrong with his sport. Blah, 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 blah. And then he starts yelling all of his, and all of Don King's boys in the background yelling, <laughs> like going crazy and stuff like that. And it's funny. And then they just completely just cut off because they're just going like in hysterics. And like. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's really, really funny. It lasts less than like 30 seconds, but it's the funniest thing you'll see. Like McCall's face, like he just gets so animated looking at Merch. He goes, what? What you want me to do? Kill the man? See, that's what's wrong with everybody. <laughs> and then the other one I was going to say really quickly was um, after another thing I found on YouTube was after Tyson Ruddick 2, I want to say. Um... Don King and Ferdy, Don King starts attacking Ferdy Pacheco. Starts wild like getting really, really mad at him about like his commentary during the fight. And King and Pacheco's trying to um, interview Don King, and Don King is wild. And he was like, "Just be fair, Ferdy. You talked about a lot of stuff. You weren't giving me. He was like, "You weren't talking about this low blows." And Ferdy is like trying to stay professional and trying to like you know trying to blow it off, but Don keeps on attacking him <laughs> and really going at him, and so. And he's like, I'm catching some abuse over here. He's like, that's right. You catch some blows because you're trying to be fair. Just be fair, Ferdy. Just be fair. That's Don King yelling at him, right? He was like, all right, man, I'm here with Mike Tyson. Um, do you want to fight Holyfield here? Don, we don't want Holyfield next. I ain't taking this. Man, all right, you talk about this, Ferdy. You want to talk about the other one, but you talk about this one. It was going on and on and on. So I guess it was still recorded after the show. That's when you start hearing Ferdy Pacheco. And him and um, Steve Alvar are talking. Yeah, yeah, it was a great show. Azuma Nelson was great. Fennec was great. Blah, blah, blah. Did you hear that? Don King? That Don King. Effing King, man. What the fuck was going on? I'm so mad. Damn mad. That, <laughs> that King. What was wrong with him? Ay, ay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious. It's on YouTube. I mean, I think it's still on YouTube. I hope it is. It's hysterical. But... What I wanted to say was, um, it's and this is my favorite moment because this is what made me into a hardcore fan. And it's actually George Foreman, Michael Moore. And it's not actually the fight. It's just the what happened with it, right? So I'm watching this fight with my dad. And um, Foreman obviously is getting his ass kicked and stuff like that. But like, it's, you know, I'm, I'm still watching it because I'm watching it with him. And I'm just like, we're both cheering for Foreman, even though it's like a losing effort at this point. And I think we had some kind of family function going on because we had some people over my aunt wanted to go home. And even though she only lived like a 10 minute, not even 10 minute walk away from us, it was dark out. So he asked, she asked my dad to drive her home and he figured, you know, whatever, Foreman's losing, ain't gonna take, ain't gonna take a minute to take her back. So he decides to leave, right? It's like round eight when he decides to do that or something. So obviously, by around 10, I'm with my mom, and then Foreman knocks out more. You know, boop, 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 flattens him. I lose my shit completely, right, as, as I would. I'm, I'm a kid. I'm, 
This was 94. Yeah, yeah, I'm 10 years old. I'm losing my mind. I'm just screaming, yelling. And this is like going absolutely bananas because that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. So when my dad pulls up, I run outside and he doesn't know what's going on. My mom's trying to hold me back like because it's late out where she was like, I'm like going wild. And she's like trying to hold me. My dad's like, what's going on? What's happening? I start screaming, no champ, no champ, you messed up. He knocked him out. Oh my God. Like I'm just going crazy. And he was like, what the hell? What are you talking about? And he kind of snatches me and he drags me and we go into the house and he goes down the stairs and he sees, and he sees the interview and sees everybody cheering. I'll never forget his reaction because he had never seen him get this mad in his life. And he calls on my aunt, which her name, her name is Helen. He goes, oh, my God. He goes, Helen, I'm going to kill her. I'm going to kill her. I missed this. My God, I missed it. <laughs> and I never forgot that. Like he, like, he lost it. He was so angry. And I was still bouncing around like crazy that he won. And everything was just like, you know, it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> it's pretty fucking good, dude. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that was what transformed me into being a super fan of the sport. Like, like literally, that was the, that was the night. That couldn't whole you have just thing walked right Helen? There. Helen, could you have just walked, man? Come on. He was, I've never, like, he got so mad. And seeing the way he reacted for some reason elevated me even more. Because I knew I saw something special, I guess. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I already felt I saw something special when it happened. But to see the way he's he reacted, that mad that he missed it. Yeah. yeah, to see the way he reacted made me realize even more so that it was like kind of like, wow. Fucking hell, man. That's good shit, though, Drew. Yeah, it, it was awesome. I, I couldn't I couldn't believe like I just knew I was just like I would. And I, I didn't go to sleep that night. I was just running around like a maniac going crazy, screaming about George Foreman. Now I wanted to be George Foreman. <laughs> I was going to say, dude, since you, the little one that you brought up about Don King, I thought you were going to mention him drunkenly falling off the ring. Well, that needs to be mentioned before we go, bro, because <laughs> yeah. that is one of the most hysterical things you'll ever see. Because nobody, nobody even knows. Movie. Nobody, I'd never seen it. And then you showed it to me and I was like, what is Don King? I told you, know, thank ring. you for bringing that up. I almost forgot. What was that? The, was that the first or second Areola fight? Uh, Areola Stavern fight. I think it was the first. First? I think, I think you're right. I think it was the first. But there, but King was acting the fool for that shit in general, just like acting a total like during the entire promotion. So yeah, I think it was the first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're totally right. And I again, that was another fight I worked for Punch Zone, and <laughs> it was afterwards. If you if you afterwards you see it, like it, they're interviewing, um, they're interviewing Stavert. That's what they're doing. Yeah, but it was um. Bob Papa, Bob Papa was interviewing Stavern ringside after the fight, and then you just hear you hear this commotion, and then you look, <laughs> you see Don King in his denim jacket arguing with some poor intern or I don't know who it was, some some girl that's on stage with him, and he's like tugging with her and somebody else, and Dan Goose and the late great Dan Goosen's over there trying to like mediated or something and you hear and you hear audibly don king yell are you out of your fucking mind what the fuck's going on over here like and then the man falls he broke he fell off the off the ring at this point he's like he's like 82 like he was yeah he was in his 80s at this point probably in the mid 80s you just hear a blop and he just goes dropping down (laughs) and all told it was about as graceful as it could happen i mean honestly seriously a person in his age and in dodge shapes had no business landing that gracefully at that point i mean honestly it could have been 
worse. <laughs> but what makes it even better, the most perfect, the most perfect way after he lands and he kind of like, you know, just kind of bum rushes the interview out like the because of that because he you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like he recovers. He's just like, all right, now back to bitching. And all of a sudden he looks up and then they go, Bob Hopper's like, you okay, Don? And Don goes, I am now. <laughs> and then that was a pretty smiles. good Don King impersonation. <laughs> it is the it is absolutely hysterical. He looks and you can tell he's like distressed. He goes, I am now. And That's then he awesome. and then he puts on the big grin. Yeah. Fucking Don King bless him bless him i hope he lives forever i mean you know dude evil doesn't die do it does no it? <laughs> no so. he'll live forever for sure he's embalmed or something but hey dude. you think he's gonna get the canelo fight oh no nah dude i think canelo's probably gonna move on he's got too many other now i mean i don't know if that whole if that whole thing was just a ploy to see what his options were what I honestly have That's no idea. That's a weird ploy, though. Call out Macabre of all people. Yeah, that's strange. Especially it doesn't seem to, like you know, something Canelo would do. I think he actually had interest in it, and then he just kind of, and he's just kind of like, well, well, maybe they had interest in it until they realized Don King wanted to be involved. You know, that much involved, and then they were like, eh, you know, maybe not. But I don't know. I I kind of doubt. Lie, man. As much as as much as much of a bad person Don King is, and he he just. Uh, what he's done with boxing, evil, whatever. And you, you can't deny that he's not a good person, but it would have been entertaining. And I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but it would have been entertaining to see him one last time in a big, big, big promotion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and hey, dude, if that's if that's where it goes and that's what Canelo decides to do, like I'm I'm watching. Of course I'm watching. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch Don with all of his flags oh, and his frayed it and his frayed out denim jacket, which I've seen up close. Viva Mexico! Viva oh, Mexico! Oh. Like, it'll be awful, you know? It'll be terrible. Yeah, absolutely terrible. Uh, <laughs> such as boxing, man. People like that, they just never go away. Yeah, but you know what, though, dude? One of the great things about this shit is that, you know, a, a decade later, 20 years later, we're sitting here remembering some of the most hilarious shit we've ever experienced in our lives. Mm -hmm. because of you know and some of the most enjoyable shit too unfortunately some of it is comes at the expense of some of these fighters we didn't even mention some of the like really like you know we could have mentioned the whole zab judah episodes that he's had or mike oh, tyson talking spinal and yeah all I mean, these other things those like, are the usual the those usual are the usual ones that people we had some up. pretty yeah. good ones though i think oh I very very good. very yeah man i i had a blast doing this this was a lot of fun and just like lighthearted, we didn't have to talk about people murdering each other or, you know, right. going history today. It was cool. And we'll get back to that. I'm sure we will. We love those stories too. But, you know, for for the time being, it's nice to kind of have a little pick me up, you know, a little Absolutely. job. You know what I'm saying? Hey, dude, I, I appreciate you taking the time to do it, man. And I hope uh, everybody listening in had a good time themselves. We appreciate you watching or listening in as well. You know, it's it's always a good time. Always doing this love show. it. Yep. Uh, speaking of which, though, if you did watch this, for instance, on YouTube, we would appreciate it if you went ahead and subscribed to the Knuckles and Gloves podcast. Or if you listen in in any of the podcast apps, go ahead and subscribe that way. Anyway, whichever way you do, go ahead and leave a comment or a review. Those things are helpful. And as far as, you know, ticking us up the search kind of results or whatever, I don't know, it makes it look cool, it makes us maybe get some sort of sponsor or something like that. Right, Eris? Something Absolutely. that's like, like Manscaped. No. 
<laughs> no, we, we do appreciate it. We really do. And uh, also, if uh, while you're waiting for this next episode to come out, if you're on social media, for instance, like Twitter, go ahead and go on to Twitter and follow my dude, Arispina at the Punch Zone. Aris, follow me, Patrick Connor at Patrick M. Connor. If you're also on like Facebook or Instagram, we're also there too. Go ahead and give us a follow there and we'll talk to you guys soon. Aris, talk to you soon, bro. All right, man. Always a pleasure. Thanks, everyone. Later, people. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.